we all like to be right, you know what I'm saying? Like you've been in this conversations and we, we can, oh my gosh, yeah, give it up for, he's the real MVP. Could you tell? Mm. That was like a sweet oasis to my soul. I, I, I go hard on the drums, you guys, and uh, I don't know why, I don't know how else to be. I just love worshiping God and my throat is so dry. Thank you. We just like to be right, amen? Uh, and I'm not talking about when you kind of think you're right. I'm talking about when you know that you're right. When you know you're right. How many of you have been there? You just, you know it, 100%. This is without a shadow of a doubt. We just, we are a kind of people who just really like to have the last say, aren't we? Aren't we? This is, there's just something ingrained in us it has got to be right. I got to have the last say. And once more, we actually have to prove to you that we're right. Um, I actually preached a message similar to this uh, f- about four or five years ago. And it started, God started doing something in my heart because like a lot of people, uh, I posted something on f- Facebook, on social media. And, and I was... 100% right in, in, in what the truth was, right? That, that was my mentality. And, and I thought the world deserved uh, my opinion, you know? And the world needs to know that this is truth. And so I just put it on social media. And then people in my family who I love dearly started like, what the heck are you saying? This is ridiculous. And then people who were in the church who I love, started attacking verbally people in my family. And so now I'm like, well, I agree with you, but don't treat that person like that. And it really spoke. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm right. But it caused so much division. It's caused so many problems here. And now I want to be like, I want to punch this person in my church because they're attacking my family. And that's not, I don't know if you know that, but that's not a really good pastor tactic. Like, how dare you, you know? It doesn't work so well. And so obviously I deleted the post and, and the Lord worked in my, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, I won't make a stance on Facebook, not because I'm a coward or anything, but it's actually because God was teaching me this. There is a time where it's wrong to be right. We have to ask ourselves, well, why do we need to be right? What is this intrinsic thing, this innate thing inside of us that just has to be right all the time, right? Uh, right? Is it the, the fear of failure? Like you fear, there's this real thing for me, it was, right? You just, you feel like if you're not right, then you're just gonna fail and people are gonna think of you differently. If you're not right, you're not gonna be in the know and, 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 and you're not gonna be advancing. You're not gonna be pushing forward. Is it a protection thing, right? Is it, do you feel safe if you're right? And if everybody knows you're right, you feel like you've somehow got the upper hand. Is it even just the feeling of being superior? Like, I'm smarter than you, and you should know that. I've met people like that. I've been people like that, right? And, and the couple people who are with me are like, yeah, you know, if you're still like that, God, God can work, man. God's working on me every day in this. Or maybe it's just so that you can win fights and arguments, 
I'm not going to lie to you guys. I used to love getting in arguments, especially when I became a believer. I don't know what that was, but my whole life I felt like I was wrong. And when I became a believer and I actually found truth and I actually found what was right, I was like, ha, suckers, I'm right and all of you are wrong. And it took me a long time to get out of that. Here's something that's really convicting. <laughs> Proverbs 17, 19. Whoever loves a coral loves to sin. Ugh. The Bible actually says that what causes fights among you is it not your own selfish ambition? And it goes on to say later in that chapter that, that where there is strife and envy, every evil is present. So why do we feel the need to be right? Even when we are right, why do we have to, what, what is that inside of us? I think actually, if we understood the cost of being right, it might change some things. I'm going to read you guys a story about somebody who was without a shadow of a doubt right. I mean, in his time, you could venture to say, you could probably argue that he was the most right person on the planet at that time, right? Given the situation, given the circumstances, I'm talking about the prophet Elijah, Right. He was he was sold out for the truth. He was zealous for the Lord. He got, he heard prophecy. He heard God's word so emphatically, so vividly. And he was right. And he was so right that he put the prophets of Baal to the test. You know what I mean? He went up and he said, I'm going to take uh, my altar here and I'm going to go up against 400 of the prophets of Baal. And we're going to see whose God is real. We're going to see who God really is. And so he challenged them and, and they put out, they sacrificed the, the meat on the altar and the prophets of Baal, 400 of them screamed and cried and, and they took swords and they sliced themselves and Elijah was making fun of them, right? I would have kind of liked to have been a fly on a tree in, in that time to see what was going on. And he's laughing at them and they're sacrificing themselves and, 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 and they're just hurting themselves and they're, crying out to the gods of Baal. And Elijah's like, no, it's obviously you're wrong. Nothing happened. That's not God. And he was right, wasn't he? Or we can all agree. We look at that. There is no other gods. There is no one else. No one's coming. Jesus actually said that. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. He's like, there's no other way. This is it. And Elijah in this moment was correct. Nobody could refute him. He had proved his point. And then just for fun, he's like, because I'm right, you're all dead. And they wiped him out. 400 people gone like that. And he was so right. We're going to pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 1. He wipes out the, the prophets of Baal. God shows up, right? He, he shows up, he, he fills his altar with water. It, fire comes from heaven, burns up everything, licks the water up, and he's right. And at this point, Elijah's feeling real good, right? Have you ever won that argument? You feel real good. 
And he goes, in his mind, God, I did it. I proved you were right. I proved you were real. I proved you were the one. Everybody's going to turn. Everybody, he had it in his mind. The nation of Israel is going to turn back to the Lord. In verse 1 of 19, it says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. That's not typically what you would think would be the response of somebody who won, right? But he realized in his rightness that it cost him some things and he was done. How many of you guys have just been done? You've been, you've been fighting for something that you believe in and it's not budging and you're just done. Come on, let's be honest. You're just done. You see, sometimes being right costs you more than you're willing to pay. It cost Elijah his fervor. He was just done. He went from triumphant. Actually, after this story, he was so pumped up. It says that he pulled up his his robe, wrapped it around his waist, and he ran 26 miles ahead of the chariots. Like the the chariots that were horse-drawn. Like, he's just, he was pumped. He was ready. He was right. And God shows up and he speaks to him. We're going to pick back up in, in verse 14. He, he, God's talking to him and, and he's, trying to, he's trying to get at Elijah's heart. And Elijah's done. And he says, God, God says, what are you doing, basically? What, what's going on? How many of you have been there, right? You're just, uh, you're done. And the Lord's like, what's going on, bud? Like, I feel like God would just do that. Something like the hand on the shoulder. What's going on? Are you okay? And he replied, I zealously serve the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. He's done. And he's just crying out to God. Everybody's wrong, God. And he was correct. Everybody's wrong. They're killing us. They're serving other gods. They're not honoring you. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar, church? Come on. It's getting real quiet. This actually isn't the heavy message. We have a good ending here, but, but, but let's be honest with ourselves. Does that sound familiar? 
Does that sound like something that we do today? We feel so right. And here's the truth. If you believe in Jesus, if you're honoring God with, with your morality, if you're honoring God with your heart, if you're honoring God with your mind, if you're seeking to serve him, you are right. You're right. So how then can it be wrong to be right? When we, when we see the attitude of Elijah, how zealous he was, and when he didn't get the outcome that he thought he should get, it broke him. You see, being right actually cost him more than just his emotions, his zealousness. It actually cost him everything. In verse 15, it says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha's son of Shaphat from the town of Abel Muhala. I'm not sure if I'm saying any of this correct to replace you as my prophet. He actually lost his job as a prophet of God because he was right and he couldn't handle it because the outcome didn't, wasn't what he expected. You see, the cost of being right sometimes is relationship. It's everything, right? The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not hard to see that if you're going to just murder prophets, don't think you're loving them very well. I don't think that had the impact that he was hoping for. And you know, I'm not anticipating that any of you guys are gonna go out murdering people you don't agree with. I hope. If that's a thought in your mind, come talk to me afterwards. I'm gonna pray for you. In a re- <laughs> Everyone's like, no, that's, no, no, we're good. But it cost him, even cost him his relationship with the Lord. You see, this is a big part of where I came to this realization in my own heart. When I was young, when I was young in the Lord and, and I was eager and I wanted to serve God, I didn't really know about, I didn't, I didn't know God that well, but, but I loved him. He saved me. I mean, he physically saved me. If you've heard my testimony, there's, there's just so much stuff going on. He, he physically saved my life. He came down, he spoke to me and, and he did so much inside of me. And, and I was still so young and, and I had no idea what was going on. And, and I latched on to a teacher who taught me things that were just not true. And it began to shake me a little bit. I once did a sermon. I, I'd been a Christian for a short time and, and I was preaching uh, and, and I and in this sermon, and I'm embarrassed to say it, I'm not proud of this at all, but I actually just told a bunch of kids that they were worthless. 
I meant unworthy, but I didn't know that. I was being taught wrong, you see. And, and when I realized that I was being taught wrong and I had a negative view of God and it began to infect people around me negatively, I actually had to seek God out. And so I started going into scripture to make sure that I was right. I started digging it. And, and I don't, I don't wanna belittle that. I actually think that scripture and understanding God is super important. It's really high on my list of things that are important. But what I've learned over the last couple of years is that I had to make sure that I was right so much so that I wouldn't get burned, that I would, I would spend hours and I would pour hours and hours into studying God's word just to make sure that I was right. You know what I'm saying? Just, just to make sure that I wasn't missing something, that, that, that I wasn't gonna preach something that, that was uh, a heretical, just, just so that I could make sure that I was safe and protected because I'd been burned so badly. And I missed out on God a little bit. I missed out on this, the sweetness, not all the time, you guys, not, not all the time. This isn't like a woe story. Because God has really shown up for me and, and now I'm, I'm reading my Bible just to know him. And it's been so amazing. And, and if, I, I just wanna challenge you with that as a side note. If you're in your word just to be right or just to check something off, you're missing something really, really important. The scriptures are, are a love letter from God to you. His, his heart, his spirit, his presence is all over it. It says that it's alive and breathing. God loves you so much and he just wants you to get to know him. And, and when I was studying scripture early on, it was because I was scared that I was being led incorrectly. And there's, that's good for a little bit, but I really overdid that. <laughs> And I can honestly tell you that there's a lot of things that I am right about and I learned the hard way that, that I shouldn't throw that at people. <laughs> it cost me some relationships. It's, it's cost me some freshness. It, it, it's cost me impact in people's lives because I was right. The story that I was gonna start with at the top is it was a, it was a really sad story. Um, I had a friend, he was a, a male nurse. I don't know why that detail is important, but he was a great guy. And he was, a, he was a nurse at the hospital that I worked at. My mom actually worked at that hospital. She was the charge nurse. And uh, this guy said something and it was so weird and obviously not true. And it was something to the effect of, like I said something off the wall and he's like, well, if you believe it, then it's true. And I was like, excuse me now? You know, you've been, somebody says something and you're like, what? He's like, well, if you believe that, then it's true. And I was like, what if I said the sky is ducks? He's like, well, if you believed it, then it would be true. And I'm like, you mean to tell me that if I think the sky is ducks, then I go outside, not that there's a duck in the sky, that I go outside and the sky is ducks, then that's true, even if it's not? He's like, well, if you believe it. And so we went into a whole, he tried convincing me that two plus two could equal five. And I was like, I don't know where you went to school, buddy, <laughs> but I don't think that's right. <laughs> and, and I spent probably 30 minutes destroying every argument this guy had and he never spoke to me again. And I was right. Two plus two is four. 
I've tried it every single which way. You know what I'm saying? Two plus two is four. I was right, but it cost me my impact in that guy's life. It cost that relationship. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. To be right misses out on so much that God wants to do in people's lives. And so what what can we do about that? I'm not gonna give you guys some earth shattering revelation. This is stuff that we already know and should be practicing. And and honestly, some of you guys are practicing, but, but the reality is, is that the first thing that we need is to be humble. We need to have a humble heart. We need to approach people, especially people who don't know Jesus, especially people who are lost in suffering, in humility. We just need to be humble. It says this in in Philippians chapter two, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of but to the interests of others. Not looking out just for you, not just for what you think, not just for what you know, but to be humble and to actually look out for the interests of others. And honestly, if people are lost and don't know Jesus, you coming for them and and, and talking to them actually is a really, really good thing. And I don't wanna discourage you from that. The Bible says to always have a hope, an answer for the hope that you believe in. But it takes relationship with people. It actually takes time spent in relationship to have impact. It takes God actually being involved in conversation. And it takes you actually being humble to to see what is really going on, to speak into what God is doing in that person's life. Because I promise you, if somebody has breath in their lungs, God is doing something, amen? God is doing something in their life. And you can be a part of that or you can come rapidly against that. I've given you a couple of times where I've been rapidly against that, quantifiably against what God was doing. But I also have stories where where I sought God and I was humble and it created lasting impact in somebody's life. There's three things that you can ask yourself when confronted with this. Is being right crucial to achieving my mission? Will being right help me show love to those I influence? 
And does this issue have any eternal significance? If you can answer those three questions in humility, I promise you, you will have impact in people's lives. I promise you, you'll have impact. Be humble. I've learned something really, really hard. You can be humble or you can get humiliated, <laughs> right? You can be humble or you can get humiliated. The second thing is this. Would you just listen? Now, I know that feels like a part of humility, but it's actually a very distinct and very crucial aspect of faith, right? We need to be listening to God first and foremost, but we also need to be listening to each other. We need to be actually hearing what people say and chewing on it and, and, and letting ourselves be a part of and engaged in fully what's happening in conversation with people. We need to listen not just hear, but listen. Dear brothers and sisters, this is James chapter one. Take note of this. If the Bible actually tells you to do something, like to take note of it, you should probably take note, right? Everyone should be quick to listen. Say this with me, actually. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I actually think that's a roadmap on how to be less angry in life. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and if you do those things, you'll probably be slow to become angry. How many of you want to be angry less? Amen? Amen. I think there's something so powerful about listening. And I'm learning this the hard way. And as you guys can tell, even by this morning's admission, I'm not perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking us as a church to engage and be the kind of church to have the kind of culture that's actually gonna listen, that's actually gonna be humble, that's actually gonna put down their right to be right and engage with people who need Jesus so that they can hear from God. We're actually ambassadors for Christ. My opinion never saved anybody. My rightness never saved anybody. Only Jesus did. Amen. I feel like it's not bad to be right, but our posture needs to change a little bit. Do you imagine the impact Elijah could have had if his posture was different? If the way that he approached the situation had been from a position of love instead of angst? What could have happened in that moment? I feel like the Apostle Paul says it best in Philippians 3. He, he's, he's talking, if anybody has a reason to be right, it's me, he says. Anybody. 
Uh, he says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. As for serving the Lord, I was zealous. I persecuted the church because I knew that God was right and that Yahweh was it. And that was that. I served the law. Paul says, I was faultless. I was perfect, a Pharisee. And then he says this in chapter three, verse seven, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. This is the same thing as, as spiritual gifts or prayer or prophecy, anything that we can imagine, not just rightness, right? But how many of us in our lives have just touted our stuff? Look at what I've got. Look at all these things that I have. Look how good this is. I'm so right. I'm so holy. I'm so spiritual. Paul saying it was garbage. It's like a trophy of garbage. I don't know if you guys would walk around taking your garbage and just being like, look how awesome this is. I wouldn't. My garbage is nasty. We have kids. There's crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? He's saying it was garbage. The Bible actually says in those times when people tout their gifts and their rightness and their stuff as God, he actually says, that's your reward. That's all you get is your garbage. Let's be a church that's not proud of our garbage. Let's be a church that's humble and listens and has impact for God in our community, in our workplace, in our homes. Let's be a church that does things that God would do. (laughs) Amen. Would you guys close your eyes and pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for every gift you've given us, all truth, all the knowledge, all the wisdom that you have is at our disposal. And Father, we wield that responsibly. We, we, we commit to, to using that responsibly today. That our posture would be humble. That we would be actively engaged in listening. God, listening for needs, listening for hurts, listening for heartbreak that we'd be able to partner with the Holy Spirit to be a vessel of your kingdom in our communities, in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces. God, that we would done, that we would be done being right. And be ready to be used. Father, we acknowledge that if anybody had the right to be right, it was Jesus and he came to serve. And so I pray that our attitudes would be the same as Christ's. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.